Welcome in to the Locked On Stars podcast. I'm Josh Clark, the Dallas correspondent at NHL.com, joined by Kenneth Nash, the site expert at NolanWrighton.com on the Fan Side Network. It is Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to all of you. We're on the second day of our star, our inaugural Stars Media Days week. And obviously yesterday we had Mike Heike from DallasStars.com on the podcast. Today we have the voice that you probably missed the most over the past two and a half weeks, uh, Josh Bogorod, the Dallas Stars play-by-play guy. Josh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. We can't wait to have a nice uh fun lighthearted chat with you and just kind of dig into your history getting into the business of broadcast yeah it's a pleasure to be here guys thanks so much for having me and uh it, it's it's kind of you to say that that people might be missing my voice because the three people inside my house are probably so sick of it by this point so <laughs> it's a nice change of pace for everybody Right. Well, I can tell you from my standpoint, obviously, even in the press box on home games, I still have you and Razor in my ear for Fox Sports Southwest Social. So I can tell you, I definitely miss your voice. So if that helps. It does. It does. I'll be sure to relay that message. I'll remind them. And uh, thank you very much. That's nice of you to say. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you. And so obviously we're, we're just going to kind of take it and run from here. Uh, so last night we talked with Mike a little bit about everything, but we wanted to ask you first and foremost, because obviously with how uncertain all these times are, how have the past two and a half weeks of quarantining been for you, for your family? Just how has your day-to-day routine been the past almost three weeks now? I think like everybody else, it's just been surreal. I mean, there's been so many nights where at the end of the day, however we filled it for that day, you know, I'll turn to my wife and I'll just, I'll say, I I can't believe that this is, this is real, that this is where we are, all of us. And, um, and and that's the crazy thing is everybody deals with interesting times and, and happy times and sad times. And sometimes you do it as, part of a collective group with your family or your social circle. What makes this so crazy is that it is worldwide. Everybody is kind of dealing with the exact same thing. And, and they're dealing with it in, albeit different, but, but still very similar ways because the constructs of our society force you to have only so many options. And it's just, it's just absolutely surreal that this isn't some social experiment that it sometimes seems like this is this is our new reality for however long it is and um and that's that's just hard to really wrap your mind around as for how we're we're getting through the days i'm i'm fortunate enough to where i've got uh my best friend as my wife and two small boys who are four and seven years old that i absolutely adore and we're just trying to have as much quality time as we can and you know they're involved in the e-learning with schools because all schools are obviously closed down and so yeah you know my wife and i go from working around the house to uh being you know the elementary school math and science teachers the preschool <laughs> teachers to uh pe teachers and then we try and have a little bit of you know time just the two of us to sort of decompress once the kids go down and it's um it's it's interesting it's different and it's it's like nothing else i've ever experienced um 
but we're we're filling our days a number of different ways, however we can. And there's a few things. You know, my my seven year old is an awesome artist, and he's having uh, a bunch of time to really hone in on that. And my four year old's going to yeah. be practic- practically a pro cyclist when this is all done. And that's <laughs> what, we're, what we're doing. This is uh, this is how we're getting by, and it's it's. The big thing is, you know, you just want to make sure everyone that you know, everyone in your circle is healthy and as happy as can possibly be. And like everyone else, we're taking it one day at a time. Yeah. And it sounds as though, you know, once this is all over, you're going to have a, a second potential career opportunity as a teacher. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know how good I am at it. I don't know. I don't know if they'll, uh, they'll hire me, but we're, we're making by as uh, as good as we can. It's so. right. Uh, well, obviously, like you said, it's definitely been uh, a surreal time. And Kenneth and I have talked about on the podcast a lot about how you. I guess we take sports for granted, is that, lack of a better term. We just we're so used to it happening every day, around the clock, around the calendar year. That once it all goes away, it's just kind of an odd time and a, a confusing time more than anything yeah without a doubt and i'm i i happen to be i think most people that go into my line of work are but i'm a huge sports fan across the board and obviously yeah. i follow hockey the closest but i i really follow all professional sports and um so there's never a period in the calendar year where sports goes away one season transitions to another and it's it's strange to not check scores, to not check news, and things like that that just have been really habitual for my entire life, certainly since the Internet turned into what it currently is, and every bit of news and, and score is readily accessible. I, I remember growing up as a kid, you didn't have that. You didn't have the ability to just check any score and, and get any update at any period in time. And now it feels like five minutes, the entire world knows everything. So it's just yeah. become so habitual to, to check the scores. And then with where we were in the NHL season, time of the pause, you know, you're looking at out-of-town scores because you're starting to think ahead to, all right, the standings and potential playoff matchups and yeah. for, for the stars, of course, but then in the other divisions as well. And it just it just goes away abruptly. And instead of wondering how – the Rangers opening series was in a brand new ballpark. It's um, it's, it's just not there. And instead of wondering how the last week of the NHL's regular season is going to play out and where the stars are going to be headed or who's going to be headed to Dallas for the opening round of the playoffs, it's just not there. And it's, I think you're right. You probably do take for granted because it's just a constant, whatever else is going on in your life, sports, is always there and even in yep. the most crazy of circumstances if one were to go away for a short period of time the others are all still there and i've certainly never seen anything close to this in my lifetime and hopefully never will again yeah i couldn't agree more there it's weird to think that we're we're in the we would be in the last week of the season right now you would be getting ready to head to california and uh, obviously, you spent plenty of time in California, and we want to talk about that, too, as well as Corpus Christi and Alaska and Arizona and everything in between. 
And we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break when the Locked On Stars podcast continues in a moment. Back here, Locked On Stars podcast. I'm Josh Clark, the Dallas correspondent at NHL.com, joined by my co-host, Kenneth Nash, the site expert at NolanWrighton.com on the fan side of network, as well as the voice of the Dallas Stars, Josh Bogorod. Josh, we have loved talking to you for the first eight minutes, so why not do it for another eh, 20 or so minutes? Um, <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately could not have acted out all of the commercial breaks on a typical Fox Sports Southwest broadcast for you during that podcast break, but I could try if you really needed it. Um, no, that's, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll let you off the hook, but maybe the next okay. break. We'll see. <laughs> okay, maybe the next break. Okay, I'll, I'll keep crossing my fingers if that doesn't happen, but regardless. Uh, so we're here talking with Josh Bogrod, obviously, about a little bit of everything during our inaugural Stars Media Days week. Had Mike Hike on yesterday, have Josh today, and so, Kenneth, I'm going to go ahead and let you fire the next question because I've been talking way too much for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> well, what else is new? This is pretty much how the podcast yes, goes, no matter, fair point. no matter who it is, if it's just the two of us. Uh, Josh, I want to ask, Josh Clark has talked a, a couple of times about how you had a, you've had an interesting path to where you're at, and I just want to hear kind of about that and how you ended up uh, in Dallas and, and doing play-by-play for the Stars, and what was that kind of winding road? What did that kind of look like? It it looked long and it looked uh, it looked very unpredictable at times. Um, I, I always tell people because a lot of aspiring broadcasters uh, they reach out and and they want to know how you get to that type of position um, to be a play by play broadcaster for uh, an NHL team or a major league team. And I tell people that if you talk with a hundred different play-by-play broadcasters at this level, you're going to hear a hundred different stories of how they got there. And nobody takes the same path. And for me, um, it was, it was just piece by piece. I knew that this was what I wanted to do uh, from a very early age. Like when I was six, seven years old, I, I knew I wanted to do play-by-play um, how to do it. And, you know, where to go to make that a reality was a completely different type of, of journey. Um, and so for me, I, I just kept trying to take the next step in front of me. I, I was able to kind of work it myself through a, a kind of a happenstance coincidence. I fell into a, a radio job when I was in high school in Los Angeles, and it was it was really good experience. I got to meet some some pretty important people, and I, I more than anything, just got to feel comfortable with being on the air because you guys have done it. There's nothing really naturally comfortable about just talking into a microphone endlessly. And so you have to get comfortable with a lot of different aspects of that. And so I went to college and and honestly did exactly what you guys did. Um, I went to college in Arizona and got a, a sports show on the student radio station, the, the sports, the, the sports segment that they had and they didn't have their own sports station. So we filled out an hour and I, I got assigned with a couple of other people who I didn't know. And one of them became a really good friend of mine who I'm still in touch with today. And we just did anything we could. And then I was looking for any way to cover any sport. And so after bouncing around and, and writing and broadcasting and doing play by play where I could doing 
uh, sideline reporting where I had to because that was the only way in. Uh, I did that and formulated a demo reel from what little work I was able to get. And upon graduation, I sent it, and this is to date myself, it was the early uh, 2000s. I literally <laughs> had cassette tapes. They weren't digital. They weren't CDs. It was a wow. little demo, a demo <laughs> tape, a cassette tape that I had to edit together, and I sent it to every minor league team in in the country that I could find. Um, and I was focused primarily on hockey. I was open to other things, but I always wanted to do hockey if I could. And um, a team in Corpus Christi wound up offering me a position and that wasn't easy i had to you know keep tracking them down and and i couldn't get a phone call back and i wound up having to drive out to the league meetings in phoenix arizona and i kind of crashed the league meetings to introduce myself to the people who were dodging my phone calls and emails for about a month and um and i was able to make fortunately a positive impression enough to where they offered me a job, and honestly, they were the team that responded first. And I, I got a phone call uh, from a different team two weeks after I had moved to Corpus Christi. And if they would have called four weeks earlier, I probably would have gone there instead. I was just so eager for any opportunity, any foot in the door. And so I went to Corpus Christi in a league that's now defunct called the Central Hockey League. And, um, and, 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 didn't really know what I was doing in terms of the next step. You just, you know, keep doing whatever you can. And, and I wound up being there for seven years before then taking a job in the ECHL in Alaska. And I did that for three years. And then the stars hired me out of there as a radio host. And that turned into the TV hosting position for four years. And then that turned into play by play for the last two. And it's just been this constant, um, take the next step whenever you can and, and do other things while you're in your current position. And I've freelanced throughout my entire career, but it's just, you look back and this was never the plan. You never signed up when I was 22 years old and making those cassette tapes. If this was what I was going to do, it's just, all right, what do I do next? And what do I do next? And what do I do next? And yeah. you just turn, turn around and the next thing you know, it's been, you know, a two and a half decade journey. That's yeah. awesome. And it, it, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, right, Josh? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? It's, it's, it's something that I'll never take for granted because it wasn't – it so rarely is. You don't roll out of bed and just get that type of position. You typically – everybody has their own winding road, and, and in a nutshell, that was mine. Um, but it just affords you – uh, an appreciation and perspective because the things that I was doing for that first job in Corpus Christi, it, it's a front office staff of like seven or eight people. And so everything that you have to do, um, it, it's all preparation. And I tried to remind myself because, you know, those years are long, those seasons are long, the, the, the hours. I think the worst thing I ever did that first year was figure out what my hourly salary was because you stack up what you're getting paid and then how many hours a week you're working and I mean it was it was so far less than minimum wage it wasn't even on the radar and you kind of just have to be 
a little bit young and maybe a little bit hungry and maybe, you know, just, I don't want to say naive because you understand what's happening, but just, all right, this is part of it. And I watched a lot of my friends go a more conventional route after graduation and, and, you know, they started to ascend in their industries. And if you work in minor league sports, truthfully, if you work in any sports, it's, it's a labor of love. And, and there's a lot that you, you kind of trade for that, that life and that job. And, you know, it's, you have to really enjoy it and love it. And I did at every stage. And as I started to do more and more and started to move around, I never lost how much I loved it. And, um, and I think that that was probably all the motivation I needed to just keep going and see where, where that road eventually led to. I, I, I'd be lying 10 times over if I told you I thought it was going to be the, the play-by-play broadcasting position for the stars because <laughs> there's there's so few of these in the world. If you do the math, it's, it's, it's really virtually impossible to get, but that's why you don't look at the end game. You just look at the next step, and that's what I did until, lo and behold, the next step was, was the one I'm in right now. Yeah. Well, Josh, I also wanted to ask while we're on this topic, because a lot of people, I've talked to you about it, and you've told me some great things, but a lot of people, when you tell them that you live in Alaska, they think you sleep in an igloo. The, the stereotype is you sleep in an igloo or on a on a, like a, a cube of ice, basically. But you've told me that it's actually a really nice place to live. Yeah, we had a beautiful two-bedroom igloo. Um, it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was um, yeah, it's not it's not like what you would think, right? I mean, I was in Anchorage. It's a pretty decent sized city. Um, it's it it was it was awesome. I loved Alaska, and I will say with you know full disclosure that when I got the job offer from the Aces, they're a really unfortunately they've since folded, but at the time they were a really good minor league hockey team. Um, the organization yeah. was run as well as any in minor league hockey it didn't matter that they were at the double a level in the echl they were a more professionally run organization than than most american league franchises they were fantastic and so when i went i went somewhat reluctantly because i I really wanted no part of living in alaska uh what i wanted (laughs) was it was such a good opportunity and the job presented so many different things from a front office position, from a broadcasting position, from the fact that they televised half of their games, um, which is very rare in the minor leagues. There were, there were so many things that made the job desirable. And from where I was standing, I was living in South Texas at the time. Um, I had just gotten engaged to my now wife. There were so few things that I liked about moving to essentially Siberia and, and <laughs> everything I had ever known. I was never even one of these people, you know, that, that wanted to visit Alaska. You hear people have saved up their entire life and this was a bucket list trip. I could have lived to be 200 years old, never set foot in Alaska and never lost a week <laughs> of sleep over it. I, I, that, that, that wasn't on my radar, but this job was so good that again, you go back to, all right, what's the next, what's the best next step. And this was, so I took it and, um, and I fell instantly in love with that place. I, I cannot 
ever have imagined um, loving it the way I did. And my wife is the same way. You mentioned I'm from Southern California. She's a Texas native. We're both from warm weather climates. I've really only lived in warm weather climates. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it, and it was just the coolest experience. I was there for three years, and I would venture to guess that those three years stacked up against the rest of my life. I did more unique wow. things that I, I never would have thought of doing. I mean, you, you jump in seaplanes and fly a, a couple of hundred feet above glaciers that extend miles and miles, and you go fishing in the most remote lakes that can only – be touched by seaplanes because they're too far and deep where you would never be able to hike there in the terrain and and you look around and you know you're you're seeing bears and and moose in your backyard and you know <laughs> cat, catching alaskan salmon and halibut and you know they're 40 pounds and you're throwing them back because they're too small and it, it was just it was the most it was the most unbelievable just cool three years the people are incredibly welcoming up there you know texas and the south have southern hospitality which i've grown to be so fond of because i've moved to so many different places in my life where i didn't know anyone and and the southern hospitality welcoming nature of texans is is just something i'll never take for granted and it's kind of doubled by the folks in alaska it was just a wonderful place. It was a wonderful job. It was a wonderful experience. And, um, you know, me and my wife still talk about it. We're, we're approaching a pretty long time that almost a decade since we left and we still very much feel like it's a big part of our lives. Yeah. Well, Kenneth, I think that means that we need to start saving up for a trip to Alaska here. soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Alaska needs to, uh, I think Alaska needs to, uh, to sign Josh off to do, up to do like uh travel, travel commercials or something like that was a glowing endorsement <laughs> it's, that really it's, was it's so it's so it's so great man like if you if you get a chance i couldn't recommend it enough it's uh it's just fantastic i could go on for much longer than i will it was it was a really really cool spot that's so cool we might have to ask for a raise here kenneth if we want to get there sooner rather than later but, <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> we're we're gonna go ahead and take another quick break when we come back we'll have plenty more chats with josh bogrod the dallas stars play-by-play -play man when the lockdown stars podcast continues in a moment back here lockdown stars podcast i'm josh clark the dallas correspondent at nhl.com Joined by Kenneth Nash, the site expert at NolanWrighton.com. We're also joined by our special guest, our second guest of the inaugural Stars Media Days week, Josh Bogorod, the play-by-play -play man at, for the Dallas Stars on Fox Sports Southwest. And Josh, it's been fantastic talking to you over the past 20 minutes, so why not do 10 more? I actually got away with not having to do the commercial reenactments in that break, too, so we're clear at least until Josh comes back on the podcast later on. So <laughs> we're good there. Um, yeah, I can't, but, believe, I can't believe I I can't believe I let you get away with that. We'll say once the season resumes, or if the season resumes, once we once we get back to the AAC, I will reenact them like with physical motions too, not just verbal. Um, I got to we'll tell you, I've, I've been I've been really really hoping that this season would would just resume and finish up, but now I feel like the stakes are higher than they've ever been. So I'm, yeah. looking, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll 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 just see how things go. But I I promise you can you can have a crowd. You can do whatever. But that's how much I need the season to resume as well. So if I'm willing yeah. to do that. Um, but Kenneth, I'm going to go ahead and let you. I know you've got a question on the back burner that we really want to hear Josh answer. So go ahead and fire that one away. Yeah. So this is this is something we actually asked uh, Mike Heike, uh last night and. and uh, obviously, you're a little bit newer to traveling, uh, traveling with the team. But has there been a, a road city that stood out to you? That's just an exciting place to go. And what reasons? You know, what what are the reasons that make it kind of that exciting location? I I love. It's a great question. I really love going to all of these cities. Um, some of them I had never been to prior to last season, um, and a lot of the arenas I I was going to for the first time, and so. For various reasons, I've enjoyed all of the cities because it's exploring somewhere new or getting to go back in a different capacity to places I had been, um, going to arenas that I, I used to go to as fans. Um, that That's a pretty cool thing because, again, this, this is something that I've always wanted to do. So when I would go to a game, you know, whether I was a teenager or I was in my 20s, you know, this was this was something that, I knew I wanted to do, and one day I, I dreamed about what it would be like. So it's always, it's always pretty cool. You know, I'm from Los Angeles. You go back to the Staples Center. I was at the first ever Staples Center Kings game, and so and I remember I got in, and the first thing I did was find out where the press box was because that was most important to me. And so to go back into that press box now and call games is a pretty, it's a pretty amazing moment every time I get the chance to do it um and then there's other cities I mean going to New York and and doing games at Madison Square Garden my dad grew up in New York and as a kid we used to walk by the garden I I wonder what it would be like to to call games from there and I remember last year when, when we called our first game from the Rangers I I talked to him before the game and then called him right after the game and um again there's there's sentimental stops like that on on the west coast and the east coast but then as far as you know just compartmentalizing and just the cities and the buildings uh on their own original six cities are so fun for me to go to because i love the game of hockey so much and it's been such a big part of my life so to to go i mean earlier this year when when tyler sagan scored that gorgeous overtime goal in Montreal you know that's a that's a game that's a Saturday night game at the Bell Center in Montreal um, when they were covering the game on Hockey Night in Canada and so to just get to be a part of that I hope that however long I'm, I'm fortunate enough to do this job that it I never take things like that for granted I still, we walk into these arenas and I still walk the arenas. I, I like this, I'll walk the concourse. I'll go up into the balcony, sit down in some seats in an empty arena to see what the view is like. During broadcast, kind of going on a, a short tangent here, so I apologize, but during broadcast, no. there, there's always a moment, like during a commercial break or right before we go on the air, some stoppage when we're off the air, I always, every single game, just try and look around the arena. And I always look up at the, the top row and the, the highest seat in the arena 
and I look at people up there, and sometimes it's so far away you can barely make out a face. But I, I, I think about the fact that those people went to wherever they went earlier that day. They went to school. They went to work. And they've been excited to come and sit in that seat and watch the game that night. And they spent their hard-earned money and their, their, um, their free time to be there. And I'm lucky enough to do that when I'm at work. And I do it yeah. every single game, and I just remind myself that there's a reason that I've always wanted to do this because, in my opinion, it's the coolest job in the world. And so when you get to go to these original six cities, and hockey is such a part of the fabric of that city, and that environment is so special. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really cool to look up at the banners and see the history and, you know, I, I love going to Vegas. I think it's the best atmosphere of any road building that we go to. And then some of the newer markets are incredible. Nashville's done an incredible job in the rivalry the Stars have with them. It's always heated, and, and there have been some great games in that building. So it's, it's not that those are the only cities I like, but I've been a fan of the game for so long and, and, and a fan of the history of the game that there is, is something uniquely spectacular about going into those buildings and, and kind of feeling a part of it. Yeah, and, and it's funny because Mike and I were talking about it last night, saying, obviously, anyone who knows Mike Hyken knows that his favorite words are happy to be here. And, you know, <laughs> what we do what we do for a living is we, we are essentially, you know, paid to watch sports and talk about sports, and that's a truly amazing gift that not a lot of people get to have. And so I totally agree with that sentiment there. And I wanted to ask you also, Josh, about you had mentioned the Nashville rivalry. You had mentioned some good games here and there. But I wanted to ask in your, I guess this is season seven or eight with covering the Stars since the ticket? Yeah, uh, season seven, starting with the the first year as, as the radio host. So, so seven seasons that you've been from radio host to Stars Live host to play-by-play, I wanted to ask, what is the most memorable Stars moment that you were a part of, that you remember, you know, watching play out live, whether you were at the Fox studio, whether you were in the arena, whatever the case, what's the most memorable moment? Because you've seen everything from Jamie Benz, Art Ross winner, you've seen uh the winning against Nashville last year in the first round you've seen a little bit of it all I wanted to ask your favorite moment uh what tops the list it's funny because three immediately jump into my head and and you hit two of them um oh the Kling the, the Klingberg overtime winner against Nashville was you know one of the coolest moments of my life like let alone right just these last seven years I, I remember I, I talked about during, you know, stoppages and, and breaks and looking around the arena. Well, if you go back and you watch that game and our call of it, after the game, or after the, the goal scored and the game was over, Razor and I kind of laid out for close to a minute, and we just let the, the guys in the truck do such a wonderful job of capturing the moment, and they were showing the bench and the players and the fans and they had the wide shots of, of the fans as the Dallas Stars goal song was going. And um, and I just, I remember I, I called the the play and I just saw the euphoria 
and I just tried to take it in myself because like it, it told the story better than than anything. The 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 stars fan base has been through so much for the last decade plus, and for them to get to see a series victory on home ice, it was the first time in a long time, over ten years, and um and the way that it happened in that you know dramatic fashion after this back and forth overtime that it's seen so many close calls and chances and, and knowing that if it goes to a game seven, it's going to be in Nashville and that could potentially be the last stars home game of the season. It was, it was just such a blow the roof off the place moment that was incredible. And, um, and for that to, to happen in my first season calling games for them was, was extra special. It was just really, yeah. really amazing to, um, to be a, be a part of that moment. So that tops the list. I don't know that, that anything else can, at least not yet. Um, I'll look forward to being able to talk to you down the road and answering, <laughs> calling a, uh, calling a Stanley cup win for the there you go. That, that's the one I'm looking forward to being able to answer with. But for right now that, that Klingberg goal in that series win at home was, was spectacular. The, the Jamie Ben. Art Ross, which was also against Nashville, the way that happened too was, and you know the story, needing needing four points, uh, knowing going into the game that you were trailing by two, going into that third period needing a couple, getting him the way he did. Um, it was that was that was such a fun game to to be there for. And the crazy yeah. thing is, because of my role at the time, I was. Um, I was the Stars Live host on Fox Sports Southwest, and that game was actually not shown on Fox. I think it was on TX21. It wasn't an NBC game, but it was on. I think it was on TX21. And so there were only a couple of those that season, but for whatever reason, that was one of them. And so I wasn't working that game, and that was the season finale. And so I was in the I was in the crowd watching that game like 18,000 yeah. others. And so <laughs> there's so few times that I've been able to do that in not a working capacity. And so to kind of allow myself to get swept up in that moment, that was such a great moment for him and for the franchise. And it was on the heels of such a difficult year. It was just this yep. wonderful way to end the season. Um, and, and I remember thinking, I can't believe like we're not getting to cover this in the post game show. Uh, but but in the moment when it happened and he got that second assist, it was it was just it was unforgettable. Um, and the other one that you didn't mention, and uh, I mean, Josh, there's been so many that I I think about that were fantastic. But my first year when I was a radio host, uh, the Stars hadn't been in the playoffs um, since 2008. And it was a 13-14 season. So they had this yeah. five-year drought. And that was the year that they changed their logo. That was the year they got a new coach. Jim Neal came in. Uh, that was the summer that they had traded for Tyler Sagan. So it kind of felt almost like this expansion feel to it, where there were so many different parts. I mean, the turnover was unbelievable. Right. I think they had like six guys held over from the year before. And that was my yeah. first year with the team. And so uh, they wound up they wound up breaking 
the drought with a victory. They beat the Blues uh, in the second-to-last game of the season. It was the home finale, and it was – they ran right through St. Louis. And so it wasn't wasn't that dramatic victory like the the Nashville one. It was kind of this everyone in the building knew what was going to happen for the last 10 minutes. And um, and and the the way that crowd was, and just that that feeling of relief, and I mean nobody sat down, and I don't think there was a whistle for the final three minutes, and it was just this this wall of applause and cheering. And so what we used to do was, and I think they've changed it since. But we used to host the post-game show on the radio from the concourse, and we would bring players up for post-game interviews. And after they yeah. won that game, and after they clinched, and after Jamie Benn addressed the crowd, both Ben and Sagan, and that was when Benigan was first born, and like Tyler oh, Sagan yeah. came in, and Sagan fever swept over Dallas, and, and Jamie Benn like, turned into, it was his first year as captain, both of them just elevated their games when they were put together. And so the two of them came up for an interview at our table and like these little fold-up tables on the concourse. And I remember hundreds and hundreds of people, like you couldn't even see the end of the heads that were just, nobody wanted to go home. They were clamoring around this table and they were chanting and it felt like you were in an EPL building, like stuffed inside a concourse. And it was <laughs> it was such an awesome punctuation to this season where the drought had finally ended and this long-awaited corner was finally turned for the organization and their fans. And I, I honestly, I still get chills to this moment thinking about what it was like at the table. It was me, Bruce Levine, and Tyler, and Jamie, and a thousand people in a shoebox and it was it was so cool to just see that release from everybody and uh and and that was the beginning of this new era for the stars and that was just that was just awesome yeah i remember that was actually my first month writing about the team on blackout dallas and i remember i just made my headline for the story they did it and that was it and just just went from there um, but Josh, as this podcast is wrapping up, we, you know, we cannot thank you enough again for coming on, you know, helping give our listeners a chance to not only hear you and hear your stories as well as, you know, the other media members will have on this week, but just get a chance to, I guess, relax during these, uh, definitely uncertain and unprecedented times. But we just wanted to thank you again for joining us today. And we would love to have you back on. Hopefully let's, talk about some playoff hockey here soon assuming this season gets back going but we'll see on that but we wanted to thank you again yeah absolutely it's my pleasure i, I it's tough following mike Heike. i i hope i would service the <laughs> tough the tough slot you guys put me in um but this was this was a lot of fun you know it's we 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 started you know this episode talking about just the crazy state of the world that we're all in. It's, it is very nice to sort of peel that back for a half hour and and talk some hockey because I know you guys miss it. I miss it tremendously. Everyone listening out there misses it. And uh, I'm counting down the days, hopefully 
fewer than greater, but I'm counting down the days when we can all get back to some normalcy at the American Airlines Center. Everybody's safe. Everybody's doing well, and we can drop the puck again. 100%. Yep, and that's that's what we're waiting for. But uh, until then, we're just going to, I guess, keep doing our part. Hopefully everybody, you know, continues to stay safe, stay healthy. All of our listeners practice social distancing, wash your hands, and do your part to help flatten the curve. But Josh Bogorod, I, I don't want to hurt any feelings, so I'm just going to say you and Mike were, like, even. Y'all both gave a perfect <laughs> podcast interview. And especially during times like this, it was nice to chat with you today for sure. Pleasure was all mine. I'll take a draw with Mike any day of the week. <laughs> there you go. I think we all will at this point. I mean, just look at him. But uh, Josh Bogorod, <laughs> Dallas Stars play athlete guy, Pleasure to have you on, Josh, and to all of our listeners, we hope you continue to stay safe, continue to follow the CDC guidelines, do everything you can to help flatten the curve, and until then, we will talk to you tomorrow.